Hey, Megan, I'm Dallas, and uh, I was just told that you've had a rough go of things. Megan, do you remember uh, about how old you were when you first started to think of yourself as a product and, and not a person? Um, I think I was like a toddler, honestly. Um, yeah, I, like very young memories of feeling like my body was property and that it was a product that I was obligated to give. Growing up, I had a lot of trauma. I had a lot of different abuse and things that I didn't understand. Like, you can't understand as a kid. My body is what sold. My body is what made the money. I even remember I used to refer to my body as the carcass to disconnect from it so much. Like, I can't damage his property. I remember saying that all the time. I'm not allowed to damage his property in any way without permission. And almost every time that I would try to leave in a major way, I would also be given like a tattoo. So this is one of the covers that we did. I had a tattoo here. We've covered this, we've covered another one, and we might cover one more. When I started to realize that I was, what was happening to me was not okay, there were several times that I ran to churches or tried to get connected in those communities and people were just not properly trauma-informed on how to deal with that. So the concept of God, the concept of what God wants me for or what God made me for or why I'm here on earth or any of those things were very distorted um, by people who just wanted kind of that power and control to get compliance. My mindset of God was that God created me to be abused, that I was different, that I wasn't um, made like every other human and that I was supposed to take on some of the things that happened to me because it was preventing other people from having to go through that. This picture I drew one day when I was thinking about wanting a new life and if there was any way that I thought I could be brave enough or take the risk enough to say anything, just kind of trapped under this, I mean, basically this like ownership of somebody else. I tried to hide little faces here and there, um, trying to hold the dichotomies of like, okay, I need to stay and I need to, I want to just people please and I want to do all those things. I also am terrified and I want to leave and I don't feel like I have the power to do that. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get out of this. My name's Carolyn and I'm a registered nurse and I serve as the executive director for Life Choices. And I was struck by a survey that stated that 88% of all survivors of trafficking have had contact with a medical care professional, and yet only 2% of all reports 
come from the healthcare sector. And I was like, we are not going to be some of those percentages. It was really easy for people to look at me and be like, oh, well, she's a stripper or she's a prostitute or she's a drug addict. And so I don't believe anything she says, number one. And number two, like, I don't have compassion for that. Like, you're, you're doing this, you could just leave and didn't understand how dangerous it would be to leave. So when I was in my last abusive, really toxic situation and I decided to leave, that was one of the most dangerous things that I've ever done in my life, much more than the trauma. I had to make sure I was sober enough to be able to think through that. I had to make sure that I didn't give any inclination that I was planning that. And at the same time, when I, when I left, I was at most risk for violence. The first time that my trafficker at the time had found me in a shelter, he beat me so badly that the ER doctor wrote in the notes it was the worst thing he'd seen on somebody alive in 10 years in the ER. There are so many programs that I could have gone to, but I was my number one thing was I will not do anything that has any type of religion. Like, I will not do anything religious-based. I don't want to hear about it. Like, I get offended if you tell me you're praying for me. Like, I don't need your prayers. Like, I've got this. We have to listen to know what is safe enough for that particular individual. And what's safe and the timing for one individual may not work at all for the next. It's being Jesus where we see each different individual in their set of circumstances, and we choose to adjust and we choose to come alongside for what they need in the moment, not just what we want to do in that moment. There was a big season of my life that I could not walk into a room without being able to picture how I could kill myself in that room if I needed to. Like it was like, that's what felt safe to me. My go-to would be to shoot up or to do some kind of something that was harmful to my health to numb out. And I remember in that moment being very frightened because that didn't even sound good. I was sitting at my desk and I got a phone call asking if I would be part of an imminent response to get a young woman to safety. And police were ready to put her on a bus and could she come my direction? When Megan stepped off the bus, it was freezing, freezing cold. I remember looking into her eyes and seeing this wariness. I'm gonna do what it takes so that I can survive, but I owe you nothing. And I don't know who you are. The people that came alongside me didn't push any kind of God or religion on me, which was really nice. Like, as soon as I was like, no, I don't go to church, wasn't necessarily brought up again. Like, it wasn't a, like, well, you have to because you need to learn about this right now. It was a, okay, you're going to go through your phases, and I'm going to love God and use the love of God through me to get to you. So my name is Maggie, and I met Megan through an anti-trafficking organization that I work with um, and have just moved from knowing her through that um, to just having a really deep friendship with her.
Megan has this thing that she says, I didn't need to be rescued. I needed to be received. And I think about that so much and that just really changes the way that that I view life and relationships. And so maybe for the first time in my life, I feel like I was being loved well, but they were, it was by Christians. And so I didn't understand it at all. It was baffling to me. Like I was just like, this is terrifying. You believe in God, but you treat me well, and you know my past, so I'm gonna make sure I shut you out. I would be ice cold to um, these people, and then I would leave and be like, that was so sweet. They're so kind. Like, but never to their face because, you know, vulnerability. And then I decided to go back. It's all about the path of least assault. What makes it safe enough for that person to keep surviving. Sometimes it is that they have to drive themselves to the hotel to do 10 tricks to meet their quota so that they are not beat up. And then I needed to leave again. I was asking questions about God at this point because I was like, you're different. <laughs> like, kind of, I live in Joplin, so now I'm like, I'm kind of interested in Joplin Jesus. Like, this is a God I haven't heard about yet. So like maybe if, it, if this is what makes you people the way you are, then maybe. I'm Sarah Johnson. We have become friends through what I do for a living, which is hairstylist. Over time, she came to me again and she told me later that um, when I asked her if she wanted to cut her hair, that that was the first decision that she had made for herself out of um, the life. the framework that my mind worked in was abuse and trauma and trafficking. So my questions were out of that framework. And I found people that were able to meet me in that and just be like, I don't know what those terms mean, but educate me. And then I'll tell you about how scriptures probably, like what that difference is. I was very intimidated by knowing that she had a lot of built up anger toward Christians and when she explained that to me, it just made sense. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in her life. I just didn't know how to do that because I'm a hairdresser. I'm not a theologist. And so when I prayed and asked God to show me how to do that, I just very clearly heard him say, I just need you to be your friend. When I started asking these questions and I had moved here, and I'd heard people talk about The Chosen, um, but I was like, a Jesus movie, probably not my thing. One night when we were talking about what to watch, I said, you know, there's this show I've been wanting to watch um, called The Chosen. And she looked at me and I said, now I know it is about God, but I swear if you don't want to watch it and it's too, you know, weird or I think schmarmy is the word I said, um, we can turn it off and I don't want to make you feel awkward. And I said, yes, out of like, okay, I really like her and I want her to be friends, but I don't want to watch this. <sighs> And then the first episode with Mary Magdalene, everything that she was going through, I've been hiding in the bed. I was like, I've been on that cliff. Because I have complex PTSD. And in, when I watch this, I feel like she has complex PTSD. I don't know what else I can do to help you. No more preaching. Just give it to me. 
And the whole time I'm like, okay, when is Jesus gonna show up? Because like he fixes this. He he is the healer. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. Who are you? Fear not. I have called you by name. <gasps> What I wanted to do was be like, yes, see, Jesus, he did that. But I I was cool and calm, and now Megan knows that I'm a huge dork and very animated, and she was like, you know, in retrospect, I'm impressed that you didn't like jump up on the couch and start cheering. Watching Jesus like laugh with the disciples and be funny, like my go-to defense mechanism is jokes and funny, so I was like, okay, Jesus might be funny, like that, he gets that, like he gets playing around and having relationships and not just, you know, you have to do this, this, and this. Man, what's wrong? What's that sound? The one that really, really impacted me, I think the most, Mary Magdalene, she got triggered by something that happened and she went back to her old life. You are bad. Look, I'm here for one thing, and I've got money this time. And so many times, that was what happened. Another. Another. I would be safe, and then I would get triggered, and I would run back because I, I, with the mindset of like, I can survive what I know, but I don't know how to survive healing. I don't know how to survive emotions and PTSD and all of the things that I didn't have when I was in survival mode. You redeemed me and I just threw it all away. I forgive you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so thankful that even <laughs> if I do mess up, he would, he would still be there. I mean, that was mind blowing for me. And then just continuing to watch it and continuing to see the character of Jesus, the character of the disciples, the, the way that they did things, the way they celebrated, the way they had fun and had community while I was trying to build a new community for myself. It was so essential. I remember the night that Megan hit rock bottom. I'm miserable and I feel really, really bad and I can't think of anything that can make me feel better. And her vulnerability and her trust was enough that she was able to say, okay, so I get God, but I don't get that this Jesus is like the bottom of the life. In the life, there is often that head trafficker or that head pimp, but then there's often someone just below that person, but is someone that organizes the life for that individual. And in that moment, my unshockable face was kind of like, I've never heard Jesus referred to as the bottom But you know, from your perspective, I get that. And so it was through that kind of conversation that we begin to envision Jesus as being far different than a controller or far different than a barrier to God and was much more of an inviter to the Father. So in that moment, it was a, I guess I'll try Jesus because it's my only option. It's the only thing I haven't tried yet. 
like this Jesus that everybody's talking about. I want to believe this. And if that's enough, then I'm ready. And we just said, that's absolutely enough. That's where we all are. That's faith. It was really cool because it's nothing like anything I've ever been exposed to as far as when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus because it was kind of like, how about a 30-day trial of Jesus? We'll see how it goes. He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Megan became our new sister in Christ. And that was a joyous celebration that will forever stay in my heart. Families that incorporated her into soccer games and into a Christmas circle, into the community having a birthday party just for her, because not once in her 31 years had she ever had a birthday party. Shortly after I became a Christian, um, I had had some I had had some things ha happen that caused a bunch of health issues. That was when I started the my dad my digestive system died, and I started the feeding tubes, and then I started TPN life support, and then I found out I didn't qualify for the surgeries, and that I was going to die. That was devastating. It was devastating in the moment because we'd all worked so hard for her to find that physical, that emotional, and that spiritual healing. And so we had to kind of recalibrate and put our own frustrations, our own disappointment that the answers and the plans that we had were not what God's plan was in that moment. We started talking about some of the things that she wanted to do when she was still healthy, when she still felt good, and going to the beach was a big priority. It was a tough trip in some ways. Um, there were conversations that we knew we needed to have. Things like logistics about, um, you know, her death and, and what that was gonna look like and things that we needed to process and prepare for. And then there were just some really deep spiritual conversations about the end of life. You know, I've told some people recently, we're all going to die. Why don't we talk about this more? This is not something that I have ever really thought about or talked about until Megan. Hey Megan, I'm Dallas and uh, I was just told that you've had a rough go of things. The story, particularly of Mary Magdalene, a lot of the backstory we created, a lot of the research we did on her story and the trauma that she went through was so that you could not only identify with her questions and her struggles and her pain, but that you could identify with the solution and the answer to those struggles and that pain. I was still watching The Chosen when I found that out every week. 
we were getting together, we were watching The Chosen, we were talking about it. I just thought so much about how Jesus can understand me even in this. Like, you know, if Jesus, even when I read the Bible and I read about Jesus being like, hey, praying, like, is there any other way? Can we get this cup to pass? I feel like that's exactly what I've said to God about being sick. Like, I, I have, he has opened so many doors for me to use the things that have happened in my past and to redeem those things. And at the same time, the physical healing that we've been praying for hasn't come yet. And that's okay, because I know I'm gonna be healed in heaven. So I'm, I'm getting that either way, but I think through the chosen, I think through my community, I think through praying and being like, okay, God, you changed something in me, so I know you're real. The 30-day trial is up. So let's, I have to get to know you right now because I'm gonna meet you real soon. But I thought this way, you have all of the birth month flowers in there. Mm -hmm. And that's all the very special people. There's just something so special in like, in this one, not just being like another cover, but in this one being a like, here are, here are all the little reclamations of my life that that God has given to me that I would not have been able to restore on my own this yeah. year. You know, that has only come through God restoring my heart. And so trying to learn how to like reclaim my personhood yeah. of like how to not be a product, but to be a but to be a person has been a big struggle. And in those groups the big draw has always been like, okay, go back to who you were before the trauma. Like go back to who, what did you want before this? Who did you want to be before this? And there was no Megan before this because it was my whole life. And so there's been a big season of grief for me of just like everything that's ever been created about me has been created out of trauma. Like, Sorry, it's just that like everything that I am is um, is trauma and is created out of that. And this last year, like, is the only part of my life that I can genuinely say like that what God has formed and changed in my personality has been what God has done and not what trauma has done for me. So there's just something like so different about this tattoo for me, I guess, that I don't know how to explain well, other than just that like, like there's a, there's finally a Megan after. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that that was possible. So you guys allowing me to take the time to kind of sort out what that is means so much. I am so very happy to. It's truly an honor, okay? You have been a huge blessing to me, okay? Every time, you know, Megan would share part of her story with me, I really felt like it was a gift, you know, that there's this person who doesn't want to talk about it, and here she is talking about it and sharing that with me. And I tried to hold that, you know, close to my heart and really talk to God about what he wanted me to do with that. 
and it was so cool to watch him use her story to change my heart and say, this is where your heart is and now I'm gonna use it. And that's such a privilege. The way that, that I see people, that I see trauma, that I see the gospel is different because of who she is. The things that we have learned from her as a survivor, it's incredible. It's insight that we could not read in any textbook or gain in any classroom setting. There already are a large number of trafficking survivors whose lives are changed because of what we have learned from her. This is going to be awarded to those who through the grace of God overcome seemingly insurmountable difficulties in life and use those experiences to better their community and honor God. It's all about being loved with Christ's love. He covers up. He doesn't take it away, but he covers up all the bad so that you can feel that freedom. where there's other scars. You know, no, you're not. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of the King. And that seal and that name, it will never, never be washed off. And it will never have to be covered up because it's written deep in your heart where nobody can get to it. feel whole, peace, loved, brave, honest, open, connected, safe, feelings, hope, trust, grounded, alive, curious, confident, congruent, true, silly, and creative. And to find the freedom that I could feel those things. I've never prayed for someone to die and to die quickly. But I've prayed for Megan's freedom, for her ultimate release 